Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the vote of confidence. Hopefully it's not misplaced. We'll find out, shall we? Uh, So this morning I have the great privilege of talking to you. I'm quite excited about talking to you on this passage because this morning I want to talk to you about prayer. And uh, if any of you have heard me speak about prayer in the last sort of six months, you'll know that uh, this is a a drum I never get uh, tired of banging. So uh, I'm quite enthusiastic about talking to you about it. But before we begin, I thought it would be helpful to have a healthy dose of honesty uh, thrown into the talk. So I thought you should know that despite my love of uh, prayer and my enthusiasm for it, I've often been to or been responsible for running uh, many a disastrous, uneventful, or just plain boring prayer meetings. Um, Also, despite my self-professed passion for prayer, more often than not, I've got along to church prayer meetings with a mixture of feelings, none of which uh, resemble love, joy, and passion. Uh, They they tend to be, namely, duty, uh, guilt, or uh, expectation. I'm guilty of many times brushing God aside and not spending time with him uh, because I have more important things to do uh, or because I find other things more interesting. Uh, I've never experienced a house shaking, a dead person raised to life, an angel appear, uh, or a finger, arm, leg, eye, or head grow back, um, but I do believe 100% that it, that it can happen, uh, apart from when I doubt that it can happen. And to round it all off, it turns out that I'm not that good at teaching on prayer either. Uh, My wife recently came back uh, after running a prayer meeting to announce, I'm never going to a prayer meeting again. Uh, My son often, when I've uh, asked to pray for him over the last uh, 12 months, uh, I say, would you like me to pray for you? He says, well, no. Uh, And uh, and my daughter is convinced now that uh, the word amen actually means food. Um... So, if you can relate to any of that, uh, you, are, you are in good company this morning. So, having said all that, why do I love prayer? Why am I passionate about seeing myself and other people praying individually uh, and praying together? And I wanted to just address this question first. What is prayer? What is prayer? It seems like such a simple question, and you might say, well, come on, James, we, we know what prayer is. We've, we've done it plenty of times. But I tell you, even the most experienced person in prayer needs to be reminded about this. They need to be reminded about this. I need to be reminded about this. You need to be reminded about this every so often. Prayer, at its core, at its most simple level, is this. It is the act of talking to and listening to God. There's nothing more complicated to it than that. It's a dialogue, a conversation. And yet, to stop there falls so far short of what prayer is. When we pray, we in fact get to meet with God, the maker of heaven and earth, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He calls us his son and daughter and invites us to spend time with him, resting with him. He allows us to tell him all that's going on in our lives, all the struggles, pains and difficulties and all the successes, the joys and the hopes for the future. He talks back, 
telling us the plans he's got for us individually and for his people, people corporately. He invites us to be part of the work he's doing and telling other people that they are loved and called to become sons and daughters uh, of his kingdom as well. He allows us to sit at the table of his government and influence his decisions in matters of this world and the spiritual realm. He listens to our petitions and intercessions and allows himself to be persuaded by us. He reminds us that he'll never leave us or forsake us and we can come into his presence and talk with him without invitation any time that we want to. Prayer is a truly magnificent privilege and an exciting place to be. So this morning we're going to look at how did the early church pray? What are the principles that we can, we can apply from that? Just before we do, I want to I put a, a small little uh, disclaimer in, and it's this. There is no golden rule to prayer. I was, uh, I was researching as, uh, this, this week as I was preparing, and I came across this article where the author uh, wanted to justify a particular way that we should pray as Christians. Uh, and, and the author used this uh, this passage in the Bible is quite well known where Jesus says, when two or more of you meet together, I'm there with you. And if you ask anything in my name, it will be done for you. A lot of people uh, know, know that passage. And, and so the author used that, that, that set of verses to justify this. He said, so if we want stuff to happen at church, first of all, we have to meet together because Jesus hears better when we meet together. As if Jesus struggles to hear you when, when you're on your own. Sorry, what was, what was that? What did you want? Jesus doesn't struggle to hear you. And then he went on and he said, uh, oh, and because we've got to ask the same thing uh, so that we, we, we can get what we need, we have to say exactly the same words at exactly the same time, otherwise it doesn't work. There are so many people out there that will tell you there is a fixed and firm way that you have to pray, otherwise you don't get the results you want. But God is not a, a mystical slot machine. He's not a heavenly computer. You can't push a button and get the result that you want. It's about relationship and, 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 and talking with one another. Please don't get misled about prayer. There is not one golden rule of how to pray. Okay. So with, with no further ado, we're going to... Uh, have a look at um, three principles that the believers pray with uh, this morning following the passage that we've read. And the first one is this. The believers prayed together. The believers prayed together. Uh, throughout the book of Acts, there are many examples of uh, prayers being answered powerfully, miracles happening, uh, the sick being healed, uh, prisoners being set free. But it's also true that in the vast majority of those cases, the believers prayed together. They prayed as a church. In fact, if you go through the book of Acts and you go from chapters 1 all the way through to chapter 6, there is not one example of, of believers praying on their own individually. They're all examples of the believers praying together as a church. And even if you go on from there, the vast majority of Acts is the same. Believers praying together. If you go a bit further back in the story to Jesus in the Gospels, uh, one of his disciples uh, comes to him and says, uh, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And this is how Jesus answers. He says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. 
He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Jesus is teaching his disciples the importance and power of praying together as a church. And I should say at this point that God does love spending time with you and me individually. Absolutely. And there are so many examples in the Bible of that happening. And Jesus himself takes himself off to lonely places to spend time with the Father. But it is important to pray together. Why is that? Well, first of all, because we're a family. Uh, Emily and I know that there's an importance about spending time together with our children, together as a family. So we prioritize times in our day, our meal times and, and bedtimes. They're, they're an opportunity for us in the week to spend time together as a family. And that's really precious. So God loves to spend time with us individually, but he loves to spend time with us together as a family. And it's an opportunity to do that. But secondly, and no less importantly, corporate prayer, prayer together, is what's known as the boiler room of the church. Some of you might have heard that phrase before, boiler room. And uh, in terms of prayer, it was a a phrase coined by uh, C.H. Spurgeon, a very famous 19th century uh, preacher. And I I took this extract from a website uh, that explains a little bit more about it. So it, it explains it much better than I could this morning. So I'll read this to you. But this is how he came about the name of boiler room. Back in the age of steam, unglamorous boiler rooms powered everything from vast machines in factories to household heating systems. C.H. Spurgeon, perhaps the greatest preacher of the late 19th century, who spoke to more than 10 million people and led the largest independent church in the world at the time, attributed the fruitfulness of his entire ministry to what he called his building where Spurgeon was speaking what he called his boiler room, sorry. These were, were prayer rooms often located in the basement of the building where Spurgeon was speaking, in which people would pray as the great pastor preached. So C.S. Spurgeon had these people, hundreds of these people, praying in the basement of these buildings while he was preaching to thousands of people. And he says the reason people came to Jesus, the reason there was fruit from those hearings, was because people were meeting together, Christians were meeting together and praying for it. You go to any revival in history, any revival, and you'll find Christians praying together beforehand. You go to any Christian conference where lives are saved, and you'll find Christians praying together beforehand. You look at any successful Christian mission or aid work, and there are groups of Christians praying for it to happen. You go to any healthy, growing church, you'll find Christians praying together beforehand. And as is no exception, there were people here this morning praying uh, beforehand. When we meet together to pray, something shifts spiritually. The evidence of history shows that when churches have met together in prayer and committed themselves to it, uh, God chooses to do stuff. God chooses to do stuff. So the believers met together to pray. Secondly, the believers prayed as a a priority in all circumstances. Acts 2.42 says this, They devoted themselves, and this is the the, the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Amongst other things, they devoted themselves to prayer. Devoted means their top priority, their most important action. They protected their time 
for that. If I'm devoted to my wife, I make sure I've got time for her. I make sure that we spend time together. I make sure that I prioritize that. So the disciples devoted themselves to prayer. In our passage today, Peter and John have just been released from an interrogation. And they've just been threatened. And they've just been sent on their way. And I don't know about you, but probably saying, right lads, let's have a prayer meeting, wouldn't have been top of my list. But that's exactly what they do. And you know, it isn't an isolated incident either. They pray after interrogations. They pray after beatings. They pray after being flogged. They pray whilst in prison. It tells you something about the priorities that this early church had. Paul, in another letter, later on in his letters to the churches, he reminds them that even though he's in chains, even though he's in prison, he is praying for them. He spent his time preaching and writing and praying in prison. So why did the disciples have such a a priority on prayer? They prioritized prayer, firstly, for the advancement of the gospel. A quick read of the New Testament will show you that the advancement of the gospel and prayer are intertwined. They happen together. If you want to reach people for Jesus, you want to see fruit, you have to pray for it. You have to pray for it. God wants you to ask for it. God wants you to see that you're willing to talk to him and spend time with him and see that he is the one that brings that fruit. They prioritize prayer so that their friends and their family and their church would be protected. And they prioritize prayer so that they had good, healthy relationships with God. You can't have a good, healthy relationship with someone if you're not spending time talking with them. So they prioritized prayer. And you say, well, hang on a second, James. I hear you say, these people were exceptional Christians. They did amazing things recorded in the Bible. I struggle to spend 10 minutes in prayer without falling asleep or getting bored. How can we possibly be be like that? How can we prioritize those things in difficult circumstances? And I've written down a few, a few points here of what I think are uh, myths that we believe about praying in, in difficult circumstances. So, so here's my list, okay? I've got number one, I have to feel like it. Number two, it has to sound good or be a certain length. Number three, I have to be completely perfect before I can pray to God in a crisis. Number four, I haven't prayed much recently, so God won't listen to me. Number five, I don't have much faith today. Let me tell you a story. Many of you will know that relatively recently, uh, my my son, Zach, uh, got a Uh, an emergency trip in an ambulance to hospital. Um, And I thought I'd like to just spend a little bit of time explaining to you the the, the pre-context to that story. So uh, that happened on Father's Day, which was a Sunday this year. And the preceding week, uh, we'd been away on holiday. So we booked this week, I'd booked this week off work, and uh, we were going away to uh, my mother-in-law's uh, place. They live on a farm in uh, Brecon Beacons in Wales. It's a great place for the kids. They love to go, and it's a great, relaxing place for us. And it had been an incredibly busy six months at work for me. I was, I was deep bone tired. I was worn out, burnt out, just wanted to have some downtime. That's what I needed. I even had people praying for me for that, uh, that, that it would be a particularly restful time. And so we went away for this holiday, uh, and uh, 
like, like most Mondans, we managed to make a holiday and relaxing look busy um, and, uh, and had lots of exciting things planned and, and lots of things to do. And, and so we hit it hard on the Monday and the Tuesday. We went out and we did lots of these things, and it was great. And I thought while I was, while I was away, I'm going to spend some real quality time with God praying. I'm going to enjoy being in his presence. There's some beautiful scenery around here. I'm going to go for the walk, some walks and really you know, get reconnected to God. So I did that the first couple of days. It was great, really, really good. And then on the Wednesday, uh, I was sick. I was ill. And I ended up being bedbound on the Wednesday. And I was really gutted and really frustrated by this. And even though by the, by the next day, by the Thursday, I wasn't, I wasn't ill anymore, I was still really worn out and uh, ended up spending the rest of the holiday really just in bed or, or, or lying on the sofa. Well, this wasn't part of my plan. So I was, I was really wound up about this. I was like, God, you know, I prayed for a good holiday. I prayed for rest, and you've put me in bed. I, I didn't want that. So, uh, so I gave God the silent treatment for a couple of days so he could think about what he'd done. And, um, d- you know, it was just really fed up, really frustrated. Came home, uh, Came home on the Friday. On the Saturday, uh, we just spent some time getting stuff sorted in the house. And, and then it was the Sunday. It was Father's Day. And I was going back to work the very next day. And I was cheesed off with God. I was frustrated. Wanted this to be a restful holiday. And all I've done is spent time ill. And then Zach wouldn't wake up properly. He wouldn't, he wouldn't come around properly. And we knew that there was something wrong. And we, we rang uh, the emergency services, and they sent an ambulance out. And while they were, while they were coming out, my wife said, we, we should pray. We should pray. And I, I texted a couple of people in the church, and, and you prayed. I know you prayed. And, uh, and we spent time praying. Now, I didn't feel like praying, but my wife encouraged us to. And we willed ourselves to do it anyway and asked others to do it too. We found that our will was stronger than our feelings. My prayers were short, uninspired, and they felt pretty lame, to be honest. I wasn't perfect when I prayed. I sin pretty much every day. We didn't have the most reliable prayer life. I'd spent the last few days ignoring God and being in a grunt with Him. My faith felt very fragile, almost pointless. God still showed up. Uh, God heard our prayers. God heard your prayers. My son is well, and I'm grateful for that. Your prayers, to be a priority, don't have to be Oscar award winning. They just need to be. Make them be in all of life's moments, both great and terrible. Make them a priority in all circumstances. And God does show up. God does show up. Thirdly, the believers prayed in agreement. If you look at the last part of the passage that we read today, um, what you'll see is that they prayed for something quite specific. They prayed for boldness to be able to continue to share the word of Jesus with other people. And then what do they get? They get boldness. It says that the Holy Spirit came on them and they shared the word of God boldly with other people. 
Agreement is one of the most powerful and most difficult things to achieve in this world. We see the effects of agreement and disagreement everywhere in our world, and unfortunately, disagreement tends to have much more of a pre precedent, a pedestal uh, in, our, in our world. We see it on the news and in the media and in our soap operas and, and, and on, on TV. Why? Because, as uh, Graham was saying last week, this is a spiritual war, and disagreement is much easier to sell than agreement. Disagreement is much easier to achieve than agreement. But when people agree, stuff happens. When architects and builders and investors agree, stuff happens. Buildings go up. Roads are made. When guitarists and bass players and drummers and singers agree, stuff happens. Music's made. When a group of Christians pray in agreement, stuff happens. We're called to be a cooperative, a body of people. And Paul encourages the church like this. He says in Philippians 2, uh, verses 2 to 4, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of the others. There's this image of the body of Christ being together, united, in agreement, working for one another, working for what God calling, is calling us to. One of the analogies in the Bible is the bride of Christ. And, and it is an analogy, but uh, it's a really important one. The bride of Christ described in the Bible shows, that, shows the, the relationship that God has with the church, that he loves the church. We spend a lot of time telling one another that, that God loves you, and that's absolutely true. But we forget often that God loves the church. The Bible says that Jesus gave his life up for the church. You know the number one set of people who complain about the church? Christians. Christians are the number one group of people who complain about the church. And yet, God loves the church. And I know that's hard to hear, but actually, our agreement together as Christians in prayer is far more powerful and influential to people out there than our disagreement inside. So there's a challenge there that the believers, they agreed, and that we can agree together and we can see God do stuff as we spend time in prayer agreeing together. This morning I wanted to, um, I wanted to finish by inviting you to do something. Uh, I've spent a fair amount of time talking, so uh, I figured it was your turn to do something instead. Um, and we're gonna spend a bit of time praying together. We're going to spend a bit of time praying together. And there's a particular way I want to do this this morning. And I appreciate this might push you out of your comfort zones, but uh, it's a good way to, to pray together. This is a, a type of prayer that's practiced in Korea. 
uh, and it's a prayer where we all stand up, and for about a minute, we all speak out our prayers together. The most recent time that I've done this was when we were running the prayer course, uh, which was a, a course we ran in number seven for six weeks, and uh, we did it together as a group, and it was really powerful. It was really edifying for us as, as a community of believers, but it was powerful as well in terms of the prayers we were praying. And so we're going to do that, but first, can we throw that slide up for there? There's going to be a slide come up in a second, hopefully. Okay, I wonder whether you recognize that. That is our mission statement. That's our, that's our vision for our church. Numerical growth through local converts, spiritual growth through fruits, gifts, and outworkings of the Holy Spirit. And I felt challenged though I was preparing this, say, how often do I pray for that? How often do I ask God that that would happen in our church? I don't do it very often. And yet I put it to you that this morning we can set a new precedent as a church, that we can begin to pray together as a church for those things to happen, to ask God to send a harvest of those things in our church. And so that's what we're going to do. So first of all, we're going to stand up and we're going to spend a minute, everyone together at the same time, and this is an act of faith because I, I hope you'll do it, otherwise it will be really awkward for me standing up here talking on my own. I'll turn my microphone off. But we're going to stand up as an act of faith and we are going to ask God for that in our church. And if you're visiting today, can I invite you to ask God for us on our behalf, intercede for us, to ask that to happen in our church, in our community, in our town today. And then after that, I'd like to invite you to join me saying the Lord's Prayer together. That was a prayer that Jesus taught for us to say together for one another. For one another. So we're going to do that now. So first of all, can I invite you to stand? And I'm going to turn my microphone off and just begin praying.
Can I invite you now to join with me in the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed.